0: Joe Durso, and for this episode of That They Might Know, we're talking to Matt Culhep, a long-term time uh, acquaintance and disciple of mine, and also Carter Gable, who's uh, a new friend and a new brother in the Lord. And so what we want to do tonight is talk a little bit about them, ask them a few questions, and see where they're at. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Uh, feeling good. What are you doing this week? Uh, I've just been visiting you here in South Carolina, coming down from D.C. Okay, excellent. And I'm going to read a verse, and then I want you guys to kind of respond to it uh, as far as your own personal life and experiences. But the 11 disciples, actually a few verses, proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matt, we'll start with you. What does that particular set of verses say to you, your life, where you're at, where you've been, where you've come from, and where you are going?
1: Yeah, I think about, um, yeah, this is a serious charge that Jesus gave to his 12 disciples. And I think the way I think about it is that charge was given to the disciples and they kept making disciples and then those disciples kept making disciples until it came all the way to me. And particularly through men who realized that because of their call to being saved to Christ, that they had to go then to others and make disciples. Specifically, um, a couple of guys at, at Georgetown, the school I went to, who went to me and shared the gospel with me multiple times. And then after I was saved, discipled me um, into maturity, into the church, into growth, um, into knowing the Lord more and more. And so early on, it wasn't always this way after I became a Christian, but early, pretty soon after, probably maybe six months after, I realized I, I need to do the same thing. This, isn't, this is a faith that has come to me to then go and make disciples. So I realized, I remember my sophomore year, I heard a talk just on the gospel, and I remember thinking how sweet this message was, just the preciousness of it. And thinking about, wow, I want to make disciples right now. And then and then after I started doing that in college, I remember thinking, I don't want to ever not be doing this. <laughs> um, so I, I think that was, I'm, and, and then I ended up working for Campus Outreach, that's what I do now for college ministry. And one of the biggest reasons I, I did it was because I realized I want to prioritize this, I want to be making disciples for my whole life. And this is a way to do it, is to be working for Campus Outreach. So
0: I would say a big part of my life, why I was saved, why I'm saved right now. Awesome, appreciate it. And how are you uh, related to Carter? Yes, uh, Carter uh,
1: is a student and uh, he came up to DC. Um, we, we met, it was pretty crazy because it was during the pandemic and I uh, didn't know I was gonna be meeting uh, new guys I um, just didn't have a lot of hope, and so we met all the way back um, in I guess August of 2020 august, august, yeah. august of 2020 and so yeah we I think we hit it off pretty quickly but um yeah share the gospel with them a lot and have been disciplining for the past
2: year
0: how would you uh describe the relationship you have with uh Matt Come
2: yeah on. so and in relation with what you read for us, um, Matt talked a lot about what it's like giving that discipleship, um, but for me, I was the beneficiary of that, um, and that's that's how I came to know Matt. Um, as a student, I was connected with him, and I was really lost in a lot of ways. Um, I thought I was a Christian, um, and... Knowing Matt um, was, you know, like you said, it was during the pandemic. It's, um, I guess it wasn't the likeliest thing to happen, but it happened and it was huge for me um, because I got that that discipleship um, from him. He taught me a lot about like what it is to be a Christian um, and kind of over time helped me to see how not that I was. Um, looking at the things that he did, um, you know, dedicating all of his time to, to helping others and, um, doing these things. I mean, the very first day that we met, we, we went out to lunch and he was late. And, um, this is just like a microcosm of what my journey has been with him. And I was just thinking about myself and I was mad. I was like, this guy is, is this guy seriously late the first time that we're, uh. That we were meeting and I was like, of course you know everything's all about me. This is this is really how I was and I was like I was mad, you know. And I was sitting there and he he comes running up, and um, what had happened was that he walking up had seen a um, a driver in need on the side of the road. I guess you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, this guy had what had he done? Like he had some problem with his engine or something like that. yeah, his battery was dead. So I was helping him. Yeah. So this whole time and this is the rest of my life before that I um it was about me. You know, I was I I had myself in mind um and passing by that guy No, nah, I'm not. I didn't see him, but for the sake of the metaphor, I probably wouldn't have even stopped to have helped him. Um and Matt um is like the essence of what we were talking about here. He, he wants to help others. He, he, he puts himself last, you know? Um, and seeing that the very first time I met him, I not being a Christian yet, I don't think I could place my finger on exactly what it was, but, um, it was something about him. And I've come to learn more and more that it's, it's, it's that desire to help others, to disciple others. Um, that's that's what was really great about
0: that thanks Carter um, this verse the verse 17 this was in Matthew 2816 to 20 and particularly in verse uh, 17 when they saw him they worshiped him but some were doubtful so tell me about this worship what does that? And either one of you can jump in, or both. What does that mean to you that uh, they worshipped Him, meaning Jesus?
2: I think part of that is believing. Um, I think even simply belief is a way that we worship God. Um...
1: That was a that was a wild question, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> That was threw that, me off, but I have farm? a, I have a, you know, I, I was, I was thinking about it, and, you know, I think about my own story. I really didn't, uh, but yeah, I grew up in a Christian household, but worship was such a stale term to me. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, it just meant you know singing, going to church, and like going to church. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, now I see worship is really just devotion to God, the one that has the creator of all who has then. Chosen to um, die for me and love me when I was unworthy of love. Um, and when I think about it like that, man, worship is then proclaiming that Jesus is worthy. And um, and so, yeah, I think I think yeah, you that question's a really good one because it brings out like yeah, our worship is not just the stale thing we do. Um, it's our devotion to God and then right after
2: these disciples
1: worship Jesus, they are then sent so right in tune with worship is then going. Uh, so a worshiper of Christ, I mean is one who goes and or wants to go wants to go and make disciples you know not perfectly but desiring to go
2: so is is that like the devotion that you're talking about like going out and, and living it? is that what you mean it's a good question. I think Yeah, it's just, I think,
1: kind of what I mentioned before. When we are confronted with the gospel, we understand it, you know, that Jesus died, that we'd be brought to him. We can't just sit around and do nothing. Um, Worship is supposed to be this active thing going out and proclaiming Christ. And, um, yeah, it just comes from an understanding of what Jesus has done. So Jesus, at this point, had just risen from the dead, and they came and worshipped him as they should And then he says, go.
0: How long have you been in the ministry now, Matt? A year and a half. A year and a half. So uh, I need uh, some perspective from you. I would like some. From 2 Timothy chapter 2 that says, these things, Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, these things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. A few things here from your perspective right now. One, uh, the things that he heard, what do you think those things are? What is he entrusting to faithful men, what makes a faithful man, from your perspective, and what makes them able to teach others also? I know that's a lot, but give it a shot. Wow, that
1: was a lot. Um, I'll start with the easiest. I think the things are the, the message of the gospel, or just in general, the faith that we have in Christ. We are trusting in Christ when we're saved and today, that He's righteous for us, that He... Has died for us, and that we're united to him right now. Um, I think of John, uh, John fifteen. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But Jesus, is the vine, we're the branches, so we're living off of him. So this is the this is the faith that we live. It's trusting every day in Christ. So that message, passing it on um, to men. I guess the next question is, um, what does it make a faithful man, or what is it?
0: You're entrusting these things. You've described them as mm-hmm. the doctrines of the faith, right, or the teachings of Christ. Uh, these are to be trusted to faithful men. What? What? How do you determine who's a faithful man?
1: Maybe this is simplistic, but the the word I mean, full of faith. Uh, I I I think a man, a faithful man, someone who's gonna. It's clear that they have been moved by what Christ has done. Not that they're charismatic or that they have all these leadership. I think it's just they have an earnest, real desire to give their life to Christ. Maybe they don't know how exactly to do it, but they really want to. Um, And that, of course, is because of faith, because of the faith we have in Christ. So in some ways... um, yeah, it's a little circular because I think it's the faith that you're that you're believing in. That's what's going to make you a faithful man. Um, I think the ways you see that, I've seen it in guys, is first, are they going to be teachable? Are they going to hear you? Are they going to be open to conviction? Are they going to, you know, what part of their life are they going to give you? Because Christ asked for a whole life. And are they going to expose their, their whole life? Or are they going to only want to give,
0: you know, an hour a week, you know? So, you know, I like to... Push the envelope a little bit. So in this, and this can go to either one of you. I know we talked a little bit about it. But, you know, whoever feels uh, that they want to answer this next question. So he's saying here, who will be able to teach others also. Faithful men, you did a great job on describing who faithful men are. Because faithful men, let's, let's ask the question. Does it have to do with... A degree or a diploma? It does not. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh,
1: I think of, you know, James 4. uh, God opposes the proud, exalts the humble. I think God most wants a humble heart. And that's firstly toward Him. I mean, what does it mean to be humble for God? Not to be trusting in our own, what we have and all of our ability, but be trusting in Him. How am I going to? How am I going to, first of all, produce holiness in myself, righteousness? It's not by my own strength, it's by God. And then how am I going to then deliver that message to others? I mean, no one understood that better than Paul. That's why he wrote, our sufficiency is from God. I mean, he said that in Second Corinthians 3. Things. So, um, yeah, we have to be
2: humble men if we want to be used by God. Well, and who were Jesus' disciples? Did he get them from the local seminary? You know, or did he just, were they like, Some of them, you know, like fishermen, things like that. It's good. I mean, that's, you don't need a degree.
0: So then in uh, chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God, that's pretty important, of Christ and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. So he's talking to Timothy, not a seminary student. Of course, he is learning from the Apostle Paul. But he's supposed to be passing it on to other people. And as he passes it on, he's telling them to preach the word. Now, as this goes on and on and on, and hopefully in Christianity what, what do you think the standard is? How many people should be faithful?
1: I think every Christian should be faithful. Why? Why? Um, because what makes us able is... the I mean, even the verse I quoted from 2 Corinthians 3 is talking about the ministry of, not the letter, but the Spirit. So I think, namely, it's the Spirit. The Spirit in us, which has regenerated our hearts and now... We are living, Christ is living through us, as Galatians 2.20 says, but then also through the Word. I mean, we have God's Word, so I think those are our two. I mean, you even just mentioned it. You're talking about
0: sources of faithfulness. What about motive? Like why we be faithful? Yes. I'd say that's a fairly important question. (laughs) That is a good question. I know you know this answer. Yeah, we're,
1: we're faithful for Christ. To serve him, to honor him. I mean, you mentioned that the the those that those that worship Christ in in Matthew twenty eight, those are the ones that he sends to go. So, um, the the motivation is because Jesus has died, not just so that we'd be forgiven and then wait around and then go to heaven. He died to bring us to himself to live for him. I mean, to be returned to where we're supposed to be, which is worshiping God.
0: Want to add anything to that? That means
1: I didn't answer it right.
0: <laughs> no, you did answer it Absolutely. Yeah. Just follow him and everything will be great. <laughs> yeah,
2: because yeah, I mean, what did Christ do? He didn't if he had lived for himself, I mean you know, he 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 lived for us, right? So he lived for others over himself. So how why would why should we do anything different? Christ's example fucking shit,
0: So the sufferings of Christ are the motive. So then he goes on and he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. So what was he prophesying there?
2: So I think, like, prosperity gospel is what I think of. Like, they'll they'll listen to who they mm-hmm. know is going to say what they want to hear. That's yeah, basically all. just,
1: yeah, people want to hear what they want to hear.
0: You find that to be fairly true in your experience?
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so for this next part, let's consider this verse, these verses. And this is from Hebrews chapter 2. For this reason... We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Let me back up to 13 of chapter 1. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? So angels are ministering spirits, they're servants. And Jesus is compared to the angels, which are much greater in power and wisdom than we are. And, but Jesus is sitting infinitely over them. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's the one who gave his life for the lost. He's the one who was offered and sacrificed and died for the purification of our sin, as in chapter 1. And then from that point, he goes on and says, For this reason, we must pay closer attention so what we have heard so that we do not drift away from that word drift away is it's like a boat tied to the docks and it gets loose and it starts floating out to sea and you, have you guys ever been at sea where you can see no land mm-hmm. and when you're in a little rowboat that's not like real cool right? it's not fun yeah. <laughs> definitely not. that's that's kind of frightening right yeah. and you don't know which way to go yeah so it's possible in his description there to get start to get away from god to the point where you don't know the way back How scary is that? Talk to me about this because we're talking about discipling. We're talking about faithful men. We're talking about going in a direction which is God-ordained. And now, in this portion, in this warning, is paying closer attention lest we drift away from that. What's that look like? Have any idea? i thought about... I think what that brings up, it's pretty interesting, is that
1: in some ways, it's a simple uh request. don't drift away from the salvation we have you know i mean even the verses we've talked about before the message that we've been entrusted um it's not something new and i think that really gets at the heart of discipleship we're not i'm not discipling somebody into something like you know after a year he's going to become a level two and then you know like he's moving on <laughs> um i think the heart of the Christian life is actually understanding more of who Jesus is. That's it. More of what the salvation we have. More of, I mean, how we've been saved from sin. And um, and that means more than just even the penalty of sin, more than justification, but how he now lives in us. Um, and that's the message we've been saved by. That's a message we'll continue to be saved by until, until we're home with him. So, um, yeah, it's a really urgent call. So I, I think, um, yeah, that thinks uh just thinking about my own discipleship, um, I am in some ways, I'm not and it really humbles me. I'm not like greater than them.' Um, I'm, it's just this one message that I'm saved
2: by now. I want them to be walking in today
1: and to not drift away from it, to keep enduring in the same message.
2: yeah, and uh like you said, man it's it's nothing new. Um, I think about drifting away from, like, God's Word. Um, So I think, and I I guess I'm taking this in a little, kind of a more literal direction, but I think maybe some, like, new translations of the Bible, for example. Um, Like, we were talking about people want to hear what they want to hear. Um, So you can get, like, a literal drifting away. People um, changing God's Word for their own, for their own uh, benefit, right? Like, their own... Ideology to match what they want to hear Um, And I think that's scary It's like you were talking about Joe Uh, You can get lost and like away from the truth Or like solid ground So that's, that's
0: what scares me Well it's interesting that you bring up the word Because the very next verse says For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. that's at the giving of the law. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After at first it was spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. So we're talking about the apostles. So we have the Bible. We have it all written out. We have it in multiple forms and translations. And you're making a really good point there. Uh it takes work to study the Word, to see how consistent it is. But after you do that, if you're doing that work, you start to take your salvation for granted. That's how you start, at least in one way, to drift away from it. Have you seen people in your life
2: take salvation for granted? Either of you? Do you mean, like, are you saying that they were saved and they're kind of... Taking it for granted or kind of in the sense that, like, they were never actually
0: saved? Well, you know what? It actually could go in either way. Okay. It could. You can talk to whoever you think, you know, I think this person's a brother, but it's just, or I, I really, I'm not sure about their salvation. So
2: I can definitely say the latter. I've seen my mother, members of my family, um, I've definitely seen, I've definitely seen that, um, you yeah, know, maybe, I don't know if Matt's got, a, got an example
0: what 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 would tell you that the, why would you have doubt for there's something
2: um, i i maybe this is a little bit shallow but some kind of obvious things like not going to church <laughs> is is definitely a big one for me um, you know my my mother will say she when i talk to her about it kind of confront her about it she'll say you know i i pray every night i do this and that but i i tell her like can you name how many people you are friends with or even know at our church? And she couldn't. She couldn't fill out one hand. You know, it's and that's a tough, tough reality. But I think that's a real indicator of where she's at. How
0: about you, um, Matt? Yeah, I think in my time, just
1: being involved with in college ministry, I've seen students who seem to profess faith, seem to be trusting that Jesus has died for them, that they've been saved. Um, yeah, but then particularly just, the yeah, I think implied in the faith is an understanding of our sin and our need for Christ every day. And then I think what happens is often when you think of the seeds, the, uh, the, just the desires of the world chokes out the message and yeah, that central message then becomes a burden. I think they just. You know something they knew a while before. It doesn't become real. It's not something that is real today. It's something that was real, and so today, what's real is their desire to sleep with this person or this desire to want to pursue their career above all else. That's what's real, and that other thing has they have no. So I think I've seen that especially, um, and it's sad. I mean, yeah, that. And that's,
0: yeah, neglecting the salvation, neglecting Christ. So there's two different kinds of sins, I think we'll all agree. <clears throat> there are sins which are sins of commission. Thou shalt not commit adultery, you go out and commit adultery, or whatever the sin might be. And then there's sins of omission. Uh, go into all the world and make disciples. I mean, in a, in a real, very true and real sense, a person is neglecting their salvation, according to Hebrews 2, uh, because they're, they're not being obedient in going into all the world and making disciples. So you get fearful, you, know, you, you don't have any boldness. Uh, and instead of, you know, it says, in season and out of season. Preach the word, in season and out of season. In season, when things seem right, it's quiet, you've got the right space. You know, it's just going to work. And out of season is when oh my gosh, this is too embarrassing. This will never work. I can't get their ear. I mean, what were they talking about today? Sharing with uh, the, the 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 person at the restaurant, and it was like oh, this is a red light. They're never going to hear this. Remember whatever you know what the question was in the beginning on how, and then all of a sudden somebody else jumped in and shared with them a testimony, and bam, you know the guy started to light up, started to walk in. So. You know, we make judgments built on fear. And believe me, I understand fear. Um, But the call here is to make disciples. That's not the work of the pastor. We heard that this morning. Somehow we bought into this lie over time. Um, It's the work of every person who knows Jesus Christ. To give their life and to continue to pursue it. Even Paul, towards the end of his life, shipwrecked, beaten, I mean stoned to death you know and he's still praying for boldness I mean it's just a lifelong endeavor and we continue to grow we always seek to grow no matter what level you think you're at you know you go ahead um in closing this up what I want to ask you guys is what's on your heart what would you like to share you know to the people that'll be listening to this about what it means to be a Christian to you what it means to know Jesus Uh, maybe some of the struggles you had and what you know you 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 want to share that you would like more growth in I'm not sure what's on your heart but whatever you want to share feel free well broad (laughs) question (laughs) broad is good you can narrow it to wherever you want it to go so for me
2: following Christ has in a very large part been living for others um and obviously what is going to stop me from doing that most of the time is living for myself um so some of my some of my i don't know my i don't know if best is the right adjective, but some of my most met the 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 moments that really stick to me are those in which i've um lived for others in one of the most important ways which is by trying to share the gospel with them. Um, And so a way that we can live for ourselves is being afraid, um, being afraid of what they're going to think um, about us. Um, And thinking like that is selfish, and it's not taking into account that they need the message more than I need to be liked by everyone, right? Um, And... Thinking that way, and the ins- it's that inspiration that that's given me to go out and to share the gospel with with friends or family. Um, those have been such meaningful moments because in that moment, no matter how I'm gonna be thought of, it's. I know that I'm truly living for someone else and trying to help someone else, and that is um, very, very fulfilling for me. And that is a big part of what living for Christ is to me. That's really good. Uh, Mine's kind of in a similar vein. I I think
1: of, uh, I think what Carter's kind of describing there is we feel this pull to live by the flesh, to live with our mindset on just us. Even as Christians, we, we feel it. Self wants to rule. And there's days when you wake up and you're scared to evangelize or you're, don't want to read the Bible, or um, and that's gonna. That's where I feel that pull of you know not yeah you know, living in that yeah where that feels so real. Those desires. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I really want to do this. Um. And yeah, I think the Bible is clear. The word that God has breathed out to us is that we are not meant to live in that realm. We're supposed to live really in heaven, we're supposed to live with Christ. Yeah. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's Colossians 3. Um, I, so I think what then helps me to follow Christ is I want to live there. I want to live in that in that realm uh, where Christ is more real than these desires. I mean, that's, where, that's why Jesus rose, is that we live there. Um, that we would not be people of the flesh, but people of the Spirit. I mean, that's Romans 8, Um, setting our mind on things of the Spirit. So I think, yeah, just my encouragement is when you are, yes, strive to be living in the Spirit, having your mind set on the Spirit, to be where Christ is real. I mean, uh, one thing that really encourages me is just thinking about, sometimes we get so selfish why did God do this? That's really what our heart grumbles. Why did God give me this? Or why am I feeling this way? Why do I have to do this? Um, and I, I, I think about often, if we just remember, I mean, going back to the, what we even started with, our salvation, where we were. Do, do we know where we were when God found us? We were in the dust, literally destined on the road to hell. And God chose us out of, His, out of the world to be the object of his love, in his son, and he he put to death his own son for us. If I really think about that, sometimes I just think, where else am I going to go? What about what am I, I going to do? Stop following Christ? That's foolish. And that kind of uh, that kind of attitude is the living in the spirit. That kind of wow, it every it changes everything. I mean, I think I think if you're a Christian, you've seen that. When your perspective just shifts, everything's grace. I mean you have those days. things are going wrong, everything is grace. That's what we want to live. Um, and in Christ we can. so uh, that's just my encouragement those that's where we want to be um, is where those that that's a those are not wishful thinking. that's a spiritual reality for us. We are raised with Christ, seated with him. We are saved right now. we are justified. we are loved by the Father and now we're to live it and,
0: and trust it so. That would be my encouragement. And with those closing words, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are one in the faith, my brother Matt and Carter. I ask, dear Lord, that uh, I thank you. I thank you for making a new person a brother and uh, that we have something that's going to endure for eternity. Thank you, Lord, that we're not just friends, buddies, uh, like people are in the world that expect to die, and that's the end. Or maybe a hope that they have no knowledge of. But we have your written word, we have your promises, we have your covenants, we have your law. We have your law written in our minds and our hearts. We're a new creation in Christ. Lord, for all these things, we give you the honor and the glory. They're not on us. They're they're just fulfilled in you and you alone. So we thank you for our testimonies uh, that we share together in the living Christ. We thank you, Father, for sending your Son and a sacrifice that we cannot begin to comprehend, and that you have brought this to us in our hearts and given us eternity on a platter, so to speak. Lord, make us faithful. Make our hearers who consider these things about the responsibility that is ours to preach the word, to entrust them to faithful men and it doesn't say it in the text, but faithful women who will be able to share with other women also and all the needs that there are there, particularly as primary caregivers uh, to children, and not that men aren't, but in women in a very special way. We ask, dear Lord, that you would make us faithful in the place that you've seated us and uh, allow our hearers to hear these things and to glorify you, and to be more committed or committed to serve you from a pure heart. We ask these things in Jesus' name.